welcome to the Dad Bod Pod, Season 3, Episode 2. We have one of our favorite guests of all time, the host of Caleb's Corner, Caleb Fleming, calling in from Sweden. Caleb, great to have you here. Hey, Jamie. Thanks for having me on the pod. I'm excited to be here. It's, uh, you know, two weeks in a row, actually having a guest putting off the solo pod episodes, which are guaranteed to come at some point this year. But I think everybody's okay with uh, another week of of a guest. Yeah, I think the way that I see it, I'm either doing the world a favor by getting more dad bod pods out there, and um, maybe I'm also doing it a favor by keeping you from having to do solo pods for a little bit longer. So either way, this just feels like a good... A really great service to the internet, to the Dad Bod Pod listeners. So altruistic of you. Just a a generosity of spirit that I would say is unrivaled. Altruism laced with a little bit of a little bit of sarcasm and a little bit of of passive aggressive, I think, is my sweet spot. That's what I'm really hoping to bring to this today. So let me know if I get there. If you hit that note. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you a grade at the end. Try to try to decide a scale. I have to ask you from a data perspective. So Zach's episode in the platform is telling me that his episode got, I mean, basically 170 plays, which mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't seem possible. Seems like a bug. But what what is your immediate thought on on that episode getting 170 plays? I wonder how a play is being measured in the platform that you're using, which is Anchor, right? But an Anchor was was acquired by Spotify, but I th- I imagine they still do things pretty independently. So so I guess what I'm wondering is like, is that 170 unique users that have listened all the way through, or is it um, anyone that has listened to more than 30 seconds, or is it um, maybe the same people that have like started it and left for a day and then come back to it. And that's being counted as more than one play. I I agree that that number, that total number sounds way too high for this niche league audience. Mm -hmm. But I, I would love to be wrong. I would love to find out that we have somewhere. What So there's 170 and there's 12 league members. So 158 fans that are just tuning in that have subscribed and are waiting every week for the new episode to drop. Who knows? And they, yeah, they had to wait five months between Zach and Seth. So yeah, we, it's we not great. To, to our 158 <laughs> non-league followers. It's not a great user experience, um, but you know, we're figuring things out. It's, it's a work in progress. You know, season three, would I say we've hit our stride? No, we are still stumbling. So, I think this will be the make or break season for us as a league. Um, you know, we had, I like to think that season one of the pod was really season one of the league, even though it was, what, four? I think that that, that was kind of a, a new corner that we turned. And now we had that initial like burst of engagement and uh, things were just really intense and league culture had never been stronger. And then we had a bit of a dip in season two. Um, You know, maybe NFL wasn't as exciting. And now we've got 
uh, we have this opportunity in season three where we either uh, we take off again or we find like a new norm that probably isn't as intense as season one, but maybe what we get to is enough to carry us into the future of the league where we have this like strong engagement, but not too strong because we saw what happened in season one. You right. know what I mean? No, I, I completely agree. And I think there's a couple things in that of everybody was here for season one, which I completely yeah. agree. The, the league started when the pod started. That's, mm-hmm. that's just kind of where we're at. And we have these three or four years of unofficial history that have basically been mythologized at this point, but I'm not yep. sure we can exactly call it canonical. Um, mm-hmm. But it it's out there. It happened allegedly. Yeah, and... I still don't know who Paul is. There's all kinds of little little things like that that you you just have to say those didn't actually happen. Right. I mean, it wasn't even the dad bod leak for one of those years. There was this check right. your balls period. Mm-hmm. And allegedly, Seth was winning championships, which that just seems far fetched and outrageous. So. Yeah, I remember him as a fellow last place vision, last place finisher like myself. I can't remember the days of his dominance. Right. And just to to bring it back full circle on my my points on culture, I don't think we're gonna get back to the zenith of season one. And mm-hmm. I think we've all agreed that's a healthy thing and mm-hmm. probably for the best. And then season two last year we had almost half the league move away physically. And I think there's just a lot of being in a new place and trying to establish a new sense of normal and routines and things like that, where the league was far from priority, priority number one. But the fact that everybody that moved away decided to stay in the league, I think demonstrates that they do they do value those social ties and the community that we have mm-hmm. here and didn't, didn't have time for it, especially in the season one overload kind of way. Um, and here we are in season three, um, a little bit more of a remote league than we, we were last year with, with Sumner moving away, but in this very weird situation where, People are craving community and connection in ways that we we weren't last year and yearning for sports in a way that that we haven't been in a long time uh, right. because we've, we've had to deal with the reality of the absence of sports for the first time in, in our adult lives. And that's a very weird experience, but also, you know, kind of the the incompleteness of non-human personal touch and connection in that way, that this is, this is kind of the best we have in a lot of ways. <laughs> and it's an approximation. It's an incredible thing that I'm talking to you in Sweden and the sound quality is really good. This is shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's crazy that we, we get to do this, but it's not the fullness of, of what it could be. Right, so it's, it's not the same as all of us being in the same room for draft night or watching yeah. Monday Night Football together and Seth making us all drinks, that sort of thing. Exactly. So yeah. it's it's uh, it it feels like the pod can be something this year that 
we didn't need last year mm-hmm. to be to be honest um and yeah we'll we'll just kind of see where that goes but excited for season three excited for the league excited for our remote draft coming up yeah i'm so excited i'm looking forward to seeing everyone it looking forward to to, to it happening at 5 a.m for me i think that's fantastic uh, I, yeah, I can't wait. I, I will say I know absolutely nothing about what is happening. I don't know what football is anymore, mostly, but I do know I have my first round pick locked down. I know who that's going to be. And then the rest of the way, I'm just hoping that Steven sends over that app that he uses to guarantee results. And then I think I should be good. Yeah. I want to get Steven to come on and talk about value-based drafting. And mm-hmm. it could be could be a good episode yeah uh, but outside of the draft what is uh the pandemic looking like what is what is life for you in, in sweden at the moment yeah so i think i'll sound like a broken record for what the american experience at least has looked like especially for those that have kids and small kids in particular uh, but it's it's been hard we so i started working from home in march I think like a day or two before the Europe travel ban was announced for like a point of reference. It was probably, I don't remember the date of the Corona pod, but it was probably right around then, maybe a little bit before. Um, so I've been working from home now for five months. Uh, we live in a, uh, a two bedroom, 600 square foot apartment in the suburbs of Stockholm. So we're like 10 kilometers, like six miles outside. Um, and have two kids and a 70 pound dog. And so uh, there's, there's just like a lot going on all the time. Um, Sweden never, never actually closed schools for the younger kids, especially. So a lot of like the preschools and I think like elementary and middle even stayed open. I think the, like the cutoff was essentially like at what age can kids stay home by themselves? And that was the age that they closed schools for. And then everyone younger than that, they kept open, um, which has, I mean, like selfishly from a, me being able to work at home perspective, having Jackson outside of the house has been uh, fantastic. Um, but outside of that, you know, he's, uh, we, we kept him out of school because of Corona and wanting to do our part to prevent the spread for uh, the first like three months when things were really bad here. And then we sent him back for maybe three weeks before their summer holiday. Uh, so there's the, like the story of me working from home for the last five months has been one of a lot of like interrupted focus and like surround sound and Nicole somehow keeping everything together. She's uh, infinitely more patient and, and kind and strong than I am. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's been a really, it's been a really tough season. And so uh, outside of, Outside of that, which is me working from home and all of us being confined in this small space, um, things have probably been a lot easier for us here than they have for people there. So, for example, we've um, we don't own masks right now. Uh, we we they have like never been really a thing in Sweden at all, um, for better or for worse. I have opinions on that. It's probably for worse, but. Uh, the only other thing that, that we've sort of decided to do on our own, uh, and the government stayed pretty out of this, but we've been not taking any public transportation um, 
which is tough and has left us feeling a bit isolated or maybe trapped is a better word in our like individual suburb. Um, but for the most part, we've still been able to like go out to parks and the summer is beautiful here. So like on the weekends, we can go to the beach when I'm not working and stuff like that. Uh, so it's been, it's been a challenge. It's been super hard. It's been really hard to work and be productive, but I, I think that I have a good perspective or at least somewhat of a healthy perspective on knowing that it isn't as bad for us as it is for, um, for some other people, especially with like Jackson being able to be in school still. Um, and having like Nicole, who at least up until today actually wasn't like working or in school or, um, like having obligations during the day that would like prevent her, like basically prevent one of us from being able to be full-time with Sophie. So yeah, it's, I feel this, like this tension when someone asks how we're doing or how this has been, where I want to say like, you know, my, like (laughs) my, my inner soul is leaving my body because of how painful this has been. And then on the (laughs) other side, like, you know, it's not that bad. It's like, it's certainly worse for other people. Um, So it's a weird blend (laughs) that is, I think it's tough to really grapple with and changes every day how I feel about it. And so like a good, I'm totally rambling here. Sorry, Zach. Sorry, league. Um, this is what you get when you invite me on, uh, on a day like today where, uh, Jackson is in school from nine to three and like Sophie's napping right now, I feel like relatively great, you know, like, and I'm on parental leave. So yeah. <laughs> every, it's like, you know, this isn't so bad. We could do this for a lot longer, but, like two weeks ago, uh, Jackson was home because he had a runny nose. Um, and Sophie was here and like not napping great. And at that time I was ready to just like jump off my balcony. Um, so it's a really like the highs are high and the lows are low, but, uh, we're getting through it and trying to be responsible humans that want to see this pandemic end and to see that without a lot of people dying. So trying to keep the perspective of, of what it looks like to do our part. Yeah, that element of what does service look like in this time. And I, yeah, you guys that are doing this with kids and especially small kids at this point in time, um, hats off because I, I can just completely resonate with where I'm at at an emotional, spiritual level. And, you know, I'm, I'm very even keeled and you know kind of don't get too high don't get too low and this has been completely unmooring in that respect of like i i feel like i'm all over the place and it changes Mm -hmm. day to day and yeah i think trying to keep that perspective of you know i even in this time like i i have a lot of things that make this easy for me and that i can be thankful of and, and appreciative of um when it when it does come to the ability to to still work in a relatively uninterrupted way from home yeah i just keep thinking back to the like the fact that so many people are like literally dying that our like our complaints and frustrations real and meaningful as they may be are so small compared to like death actually happening so it's always I always like am am trying to make sure that I'm caveating the like the difficulty of this with saying that like I understand that it is harder for others and to still allow there to be space for 
for like what it looks like to be honest about how we feel about this like particular point in time. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, glad to hear that things are going relatively well in that, that perspective. Um, but yeah, just in, incredibly hard. And <laughs> I think in some ways there is kind of comfort in that ability to open up and be a little vulnerable. Cause if you tell someone like, yeah, I'm killing it right now. Like they don't believe you. Mm-hmm. It's, it just, it, it doesn't work right now. You can't say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. And I feel amazing. And the world is awesome because if, if you are thinking that you're probably a sociopath. So <laughs> yeah, that's will, a good indicator. <laughs> yeah. Pe- people will think less of you if, <laughs> if you don't have some, some element of this that you're struggling with. Um, tell me about the, the 600 foot apartment. Yeah. So I'll give you the, the audio tour right now. We were going to do this on video, but, uh, we didn't. So this is, as they say, the next best thing to video audio technically. Um, so right now I'm sitting at my desk, which is in the, uh, the Southeast corner of the apartment. I don't know that that's true, but I can be consistent enough with this verbal illustration that that should do. So I'm in the southeast corner uh, sitting at my desk right now. In the southwest corner is our dining room table. Uh, I can actually touch that from where I'm sitting. And then in uh, as you move north from the dining room table, you move towards the master bedroom. On your way there, you will pass through the living room. We have uh, we have one couch, which looks at a uh, a TV, and then some like kids' toys. You keep going into the master bedroom. We have a balcony. We're on the fourth floor, so uh, there's we're actually on the top floor of our building. So there's a uh, really good afternoon sun, which is fantastic. Unfortunately, since Sophie is in that room with us now, we don't get access to that balcony during nap time and evenings, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, but moving back east. Uh, still on the north side of the house, uh, due east of the, or sorry, yeah, due east of the, the master bedroom is the the Jackson's room. Um, he recently upgraded from a crib to a big kid bed, which is exciting wow. for for him especially. He uh, we've been calling it his big boy bed a lot, and he had he always just has heard good boy bed, so that's what he calls it, uh, which is a little weird, but um, you know he's two, Wait. so it's okay. <laughs> Is that a Boone thing? Like Boone has a good boy bed, or you know, that's maybe, just how he heard you guys saying it. I think th- it could be both. Maybe he heard us saying that, but maybe he heard that because he's also heard us, you know, say like Boone, you're a good boy. Yeah, uh, I don't think I say that very often. Boone and I have been at odds, but you know, it's it's just like a funny toddlerism, I think. Yeah, yeah just a little bit of tension. Um, and then from Jackson's room, as you move back south towards my office, uh, you go through our hallway kitchen, which is uh, quite nice. It's efficient, though small. And then you would just move straight out the door if you kept walking. And so that's that's the whole thing. It's, uh, it's a rectangle almost perfectly. And uh, we like it, but we would like to have more space, uh, specifically an extra bedroom. So we'll see where that goes, that, that feeling. Um, we've been looking at possibly buying an apartment here. Uh, not knowing how long we'll be here in the end, but still feeling like that might be a good 
a good choice for our own well-being to move into a little bit bigger of a place. And the rental market here is kind of shitty in that it just makes a lot more sense to own if you can. So yeah, that's the audio tour. I hope that um, directionally all of it made sense. I will say that even as I was sharing that, it felt pretty boring. So yeah, it could just be two minutes that I wasted for all of you. Um, but you know, I, I that's like what you it. signed up for. Yeah, a visual description of of a six hundred foot apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's easy when you can just use the compass rose like that. So I don't know. We shouldn't keep talking about this because Zach, I don't think is going to edit it out, and if he doesn't, then. I'm just adding to this time that I've been wasting. Um, that's, that's fair. Yeah. One so yeah, of, that's, one that's of my clients is, is in the home decor space, so I I could talk about this for hours. But it's, okay. It's yeah. I think our we, only apartment update over here is that uh, Matt has become a plant mom. So I feel like I'm in a forest right now. That's <laughs> how many plants we have. Yeah. Does he take care of them well? They're all they're all alive. They're all um, a lot of them. He's had alive. for many months at this point in time. A couple he's probably had for for years. So okay, they're all alive. Did he go to Glacier National Park and you know not even ask me if I'm gonna water these plants and take care of them while he's gone? Probably. Will I? Yes. Good roommate. <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> Little things to to keep this place going. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I found the maybe the is the plant phenomenon. That's like a pretty new thing, right? I'm not very in touch with these kinds of trends, but I've seen that a lot here as well. And we have a lot of plants as well. But it seems to be, you know, like a global trend. I, right I think it's definitely picked people up love plants a little bit, and I could look at Google Trends and and confirm that just for you. I think we're also aging into a plant demographic. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of kind of where we're at in life. And then, mm-hmm. especially during this time, it's you know you only have yeah. so many options. So, are you going to make sourdough bread? Are you going to get some plants? Are you going to let your facial hair go? Um, you know, these are kind of the the exciting opportunities yeah. that we're choosing from at the moment. Yeah, I think we should. We should segue or move on because this is a tough segment. We've been talking about plants and interior design, which is probably a little bit too niche for our we have niche roughly football outside of the league. And we have to test these things in five minute segments to to figure out what our non league <laughs> member fans are, are interested in. So I agree. I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna be interior decorating with plants. Um but we, we have to test these things. That's where we're at. Um, okay. We, we do yeah. have one quick... Um, okay. We, we do have one quick transition Leave in it there. In, uh, talking about facial hair, and that is the aesthetic of the league, especially on GroupMe, has, has definitely taken a mm-hmm. definitive turn. We've got this black and white artsy uh, looking filters going on in a lot of people's profile pictures. And there's also quite a few league members sporting some pandemic facial hair. So I want to get your thoughts on those developments. 
Yeah, I love it. I am a huge fan of of novelty facial hair. Uh, I think that so Sean started. I think it's a worthwhile call out. Sean started the the black and white trend, uh, and I. I loved the photo and jumped on board immediately with one of my own. I think I actually posted that after I had shaved my mustache. Uh, but still, I, I think that this is a fantastic trend and it's the perfect time for it too with uh, with everyone being home. So there is like no shame at all in growing it out and going through all of the different like awkward, I'm trying to grow a long mustache phases. Agreed. So Shout I'm out, Sean. Big fan. Uh, great, great trend there. I think the black and white photos look look classy. Um, yeah, Sean, I, he seemed excited about mine. Uh, he he was posting about it a lot after I I updated my photo. Um, this is really the first time that I've <laughs> I've kind of let the the facial hair go. I had like a two month trial. I did no shave November this past year for the first time and. It was, it was kind of whatever ended up shaving in like okay. January when I had to, to go visit a client. I was like, okay, this is done. I'll never do that again, but it was fun. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, well, I, I can really let it go this time. So that's kind of the one way that I'm, I'm tracking time. Yeah. I had a similar, I mean, I, I think in hindsight now I regret shaving the mustache. The reason I did it was because I had a, a call with it was one of those like bosses bosses boss who I, I didn't think would appreciate mm-hmm. the irony of the mustache as much as I perhaps did uh so I, I decided to let it go uh but it it was maybe one of the greatest honors of my life to have Zach post the picture of myself and Minchu and just like note the similar vibes so uh that really yeah it really was affected did you deeply. did you see this thing about uh, Gardner Minshew. I posted about this one, but if you take Minshew in the first round of your draft, you can win uh, a case of Bud Light for free. That can be yours. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the only thing you'll be winning. <laughs> if you then go on to but, win a championship. Yeah, <laughs> you have the opportunity to win cases of Bud Light for a year, a year supply of Bud Light. And I know that you you okay. kind of have your first round pick locked in, um, and you you bring up the vibes. Now I'm wondering, could could you be going Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew? We'll see. I I don't want to squash any rumors here, so I, I will. Fair enough. Defer that's that that's an improv principle. Never never squash anything. Just yes and it. Yeah, but... it could be going Gardner <laughs> Minshew, and we'll have to wait until the draft to find out so well done that would have been i i haven't seen bud light here either so there's a perhaps there's a little bit more of a draw to the nostalgia of Had good of old taste beer. of america who knows <laughs> you know well I everyone know, else but... has to to wait until you're on the clock to find out have you been shopping your pick at all there's been a lot of trade chatter Um, okay. I haven't heard a lot Matt, of trade Sean, chatter except from Matt and okay. Yeah. I, I haven't been shopping my pick. I would be open to trading down with Steven uh, just one pick because I think that 
the person I choose would still be available to him um, or would still be available at his draft slot because I wouldn't pick them earlier. Uh, but I, I have, I don't, I don't like making trades. I have, I'm so risk averse with that. I feel like uh, I just have this skepticism of everyone that no matter what the trade is, I'll end up getting screwed and losing because of it. Despite, I mean, we've talked at length about my feelings on how, how much of this, like how much of fantasy sports is like a little bit of randomness and luck. I still feel like by making trades, especially on the draft, like I'm just opening myself up to getting destroyed that's a brand later. New, yeah, that's that's a brand new avenue for regret. So no, I haven't been. Your decisions. Right. <laughs> well, I, I definitely don't want to make these regrets before the season has even started. Uh, and actually, I think that I have a, a pretty good draft spot uh, just thinking about like what the the snake format leads to. I like being in the the fourth position. I feel like I'll still get obviously one of the top players and then I uh don't have to wait too long still a while but not too long yeah you're not I, th- I think I have a foot too huh. I said earlier I don't I don't know anything about football so if that's what you think this fantasy football <laughs> podcast is going to be about you're gonna have to find a new guest once we get <laughs> a little more data end of the season if the season starts um and if we actually get to play multiple games uh once we have some data for you to to crunch and mm-hmm. analyze then your guest segments can can be more about fantasy football yeah i really like the the link that sean the sent over chart. that travis said he's used before too um yeah, I think just like using it's such a simple statistic, but like looking at expected value by draft pick as a means of assigning value <laughs> that's based on like historical average. I think that's a really cool technique. I wish I had discovered that sooner. But just thinking about that specific metric is pretty good fodder for uh, a lot of like pre-draft analysis that I haven't done. But perhaps yeah, really have. interesting stuff. Maybe maybe we can see if any draft day trades go down and evaluate some some trades after the fact so i'm looking forward to the the post draft episode because um, as as we talked about with seth draft night is i think everybody in the league's favorite night um everybody's still in first place the mm-hmm. the optimism of the season is is at the the apex for everyone and yeah any anybody could come out of this i know you talked about you know, kind of everything being random. And, you know, after the draft, like everyone does have mm-hmm. a chance of winning. But I don't know. I feel like by week two or three, a lot of the, we just have a lot more information and what developments over the off season were coach talk, which players that seemed like they were poised to break out and kind of take that next step in their career didn't progress or like aren't going to make it and your outlook on the season can change dramatically in just a few weeks. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's, like, the beauty of it, too, is that you have – I think Seth talked about this on the last pod. His, like, draft grade was an A, and then he finished last, and there are so many compounding factors as to why. But I – not only do I think that there is a ton of randomness at play in what 
takes you from draft to final position. But I, I think that's like part of the fun too, is just seeing where all of this stuff shakes out. So regardless of like the research you do or your like pre-draft expectations or how well you think you do on that specific night, um, there's just like a million different things that happen in the next 12 weeks or 13 weeks that make it uh, a lot of fun to be present in. Which is why someone like myself, who is a, a randomness truther, can still get so much enjoyment out of a league like ours. Yeah, it's such a high variable sport with so much hinging on like one or two crucial moments like which which players are scoring touchdowns which players break a big play um all of these things just happen so quickly and can take you from from victory to heartbreak um and last year all of my my big plays came on my bench so heartbreaking yeah and that's that's why i ended up towards the the bottom half of the league which is uh, I believe you said like anything under sixth place, like you you have to blame yourself. So, <laughs> yeah, I think my my blanket generalization that I'm sure everyone in the league can disagree with is that if you uh, if you just pick scratch or the ne- the next best available player in pretty much all circumstances, you should always finish above sixth. And if you finish below six, that's because you over-engineered something or you overthought something. And where you finish above sixth, I'm willing to give uh, or attribute to skill. And I understand that I'm someone who's finished below six a number of times and am more than willing to own that being uh, because of a, a lack of talent. So, yeah. But maybe I'm just saying that so that it's harder to argue with me because now I've I've done enough of the self-deprecating commentary that... <laughs> Uh, what what else? Yeah, can you throw I think this me? is just next level trash talk, and I feel personally attacked. So I know that to some level it is emotion, it is registering mm-hmm. on on a psychological level. So I'm I'm just taking it as trash talk. <laughs> Maybe this will be the motivator. Me <laughs> me saying that I I am trash, and so is everyone else who finishes yeah. below six. Let that be your motivator this season. Behind you, I think everybody knows that I, I did finish behind you. So <laughs> I have to live with that and endure your trash talk uh, until I destroy you this season. So I I will always go to the mat for the skill level involved in this. And I think just given your role mm-hmm. as a data scientist, um, you can appreciate process over outcome. And I think that... That is definitely true here mm-hmm. is that this is a game of skill and luck. Um, like anything involving cards or dice, um, you know, there are smart plays that you can make. And, um, you know, over time, I think having a good process is going to put you in a better position to get lucky and have those good outcomes. But given the relatively small sample size of a 16 game season and, how much chance and variability there is in that um you are fighting for a comparatively small edge so that's how i that's how i make myself feel better about um yeah finishing towards the bottom half of the league is that i was unlucky with injuries and the players on my team i had a good roster but the guys scoring touchdowns just happened to be on my bench every week 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way that I would describe it is just that the the confidence interval around the like expected output from your skill moves throughout the year is very narrow. I think that it's like you said, it's it's not really pushing you up or down very far at all. Um, but there is the opportunity for it to increase your chances. But that interval around the randomness component is absolutely massive. And there, the like the third piece that I think these like generalizations I'm giving out are is probably blind to is is the fact that there's a lot of overlap between the like skill and randomness. So like who's to say that you're when you make a call based on someone having an explosive week three and then they never do it again the rest of the season. Um, like was that a poor skill move by you or was that randomness? I think that there's just a little bit of a blurry line there that um, can determine if you're falling into the like the huge randomness interval and you just like had an opportunity to take off and win the league based off of it or if it's just like a little bit of the the skill piece that barely bumped it at all because the next week yeah, they get six and I, points. I think another like component you know I mean? of this is that most of us aren't really doing the skill work involved. And even if we're just looking at, you know, Yahoo's default mm-hmm. key rankings or, um, you know, Yahoo's projections week to week, um, the, the underlying analysis that is feeding into that from you know, experts and data is where all that majority of the skill work is happening and they're, they're crunching those numbers and, you know, you're following the people that are doing the work. So if you are just taking that recommendation, um, you know, you're, you're leveraging the skill work of, of experts as opposed to, you know, pouring over industry articles and you know trying to figure out what the the wind conditions are like in kansas city on sunday or you know who who has a a good matchup because somebody's hurt or missing or or those types of things so i i think a lot of that skill Mm -hmm. work is just being performed by people that that aren't us (laughs) yeah whose day job it it is (laughs) So I, I like Seth, uh, was surprised a couple weeks ago to realize that there had been a podcast released in March during Corona times, I or during initial Corona times. So I actually scrolled up in the group meet just because I didn't remember even the like the release of it, um, and saw that it it did in fact happen. And so when I listened to it. I guess over the weekend, this past weekend, I was surprised uh, by two things. One is that I didn't know GroupMe uh, shared the like the the mute status of members of a group channel, um, and then I also was surprised at all of the different parallels that were drawn between me and Ben Roethlisberger by Zach. Uh, and you and I, Jamie, talked about this earlier. You seem to not recall as much of that, so. Um, We'll just sweep the Ben Roethlisberger stuff under the rug. But I do want to talk more about the group me muting because what I initially thought was maybe, you know, I'm, I was in the mute group and uh, maybe that's a misleading uh, class or metric for, or proxy for engagement. And so I went through and I looked at some of our, or I, I did the the same analysis that I've done in the past for the league where I 
uh, download all of our messages using uh, Python script and then do some like post-processing and look at things like who sent the message and who liked it and when it was and all of that stuff. And this is a little bit uh, underwhelming, but or a little bit less sophisticated. But the first thing that I looked at was the frequency of posting in the off season. So every every message that was sent since the the Super Bowl or since the day after the most recent Super Bowl. Um, and I was surprised to find that. So we we haven't had a message from Cody or Trey in that entire period, um, and we have only had. Uh, a few from Steven. He hasn't said anything in the group channel since March 11th. Uh, Cody's last one was January 11th and Trey's was December 6th in 2019, just <laughs> quite a long time ago now. Um, but what I, what I actually ended up finding was that there is a pretty strong correlation between engagement for members that have muted versus have not, which totally makes sense, but I was in a bit of denial. Uh, so the first thing I looked at was the average number of days between messages since the Super Bowl, um, and you and and Seth are have the the lowest number of days between messages at about three, um, and then Sean, Matt, and Travis are uh, four, almost five days. Zach is five days, um, and then you get into the people that have muted the thread, uh, myself included, and. I am the most frequent poster of that group at 10 days in between messages. Uh, so almost twice as long as the the least engaged non-muted member. Um, so I've unmuted the thread. Uh, I hope that Robert will do the same. Um, Steven actually doesn't have it muted currently, which I think is really interesting. Uh, I think he's just ignoring us. Or maybe he's, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what that app does. You're talking about the value based drafting that's app. That's the key here. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he, yeah, maybe there's some input for league engagement or for messages league members send that he's including. So he's always observing but never responding. Server role. I, we'll I can see. respect it. I often um, default to that mode. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's it. So. That's those are those are all of my insights. Uh, I guess I just wanted to issue a formal apology for lack of engagement. Um, yeah, and say that as the data is not on one of the drivers of lead culture with Seth. Apology accepted. You have... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I honestly think a lot of there. my my stats in there are responding to Seth, and I'm just, you know, I. I think I'm empathetic in that way mm -hmm. and not willing to to let Seth's go messages go out there unreciprocated. So that's how I would explain my piece in that. But maybe you so, can refute that with data. So here's one thing that surprises me. Now, I think that's that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, so if, if we look at number of messages since the Super Bowl, again, uh, Seth has the most with 310, uh, yeah. which is, is not that many relative to like what we've done in the past. Uh, you're second at 225. So a sizable gap, but uh, I don't know. You could compensate for that this afternoon. But here's what really surprises me. Um, who do you think is third on that list? Maybe this won't surprise you at all. And I we'll would just guess have Zach, Zach cut this whole thing. But who would you guess is third? Yeah, so Zach is fifth. What, what's your Matt? next guess? 
Matt is fourth. And there's still a pretty big gap between the third, the third most and Matt. Wow. Sean is below Zach. So, okay. uh, yeah, so it's Travis. And he has 156. But I, I don't feel like I've, I've noticed that. Like, I, I certainly have noticed that he's engaged. But I wouldn't have said more so than Matt or Zach or Sean either. So I think, I think he's inflating his post count. And we'll have to have someone investigate that. Maybe Zach, when he's editing, can just look through all of Travis's previous posts and make sure yeah, that... Yeah, those numbers are legit. There's it nothing could that's getting snuck just in be there. some of my issues with authority mm-hmm. figures. And I just have conditioned myself to ignore messages from the commissioner. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe. Maybe he sends, uh, maybe he's the, the type of communicator that will send, that will like split one thought or I, message I into that several. Well. Maybe that's what's going on here. So I, um, I can relate to that yeah. communication style. There could be a decent amount of those that were league updates and things like that that came in a relatively smaller period of time um that like he he kind of he kind right. of had some peaks in there and or maybe the rest ooh. is yeah yeah post super so i, I would, would be, be interested to see the the messages per day there and i could see him being a little bit higher on a few of those days mm-hmm. and then throughout you know the six months or whatever it's been from this Super Bowl, just having fewer days of regular engagement than those guys I listed before. Yeah, yeah, excited for we'll this. Have intern. the intern looking um, good soon. Like I said, if if you don't have any luck with external candidates, I'm still slowly trying to grind out some Python skills. So I I might, I might throw my hat in the ring. If if you don't have yeah. any luck with external candidates, this would be a good uh, a good DM conversation. But I would love to send you the code that I've been using and let you just run with it. So yeah, we can talk about nerd stuff off the. Maybe pod. we can do that sometime. I think that you'll just be. I'm I'm a little bit concerned that you'll be underwhelmed with with what actually goes on in making this sort of thing. Um, so I, I like to, but if I can actually I would read like an, and understand an the party. code, well, you might see that as something that's underwhelming to another coder, to someone who is, who's trying very hard to, <laughs> to pick up basic skills. If I can at least understand what's going on, that would actually be massively exciting for me. Okay. We can, we can figure that out. Um, okay, cool. So those are the group me insights. Let's, um, Let's talk about the about Sweden football team or Washington football team. I guess, you know, there's really probably not that much to say. Um, you asked me when we were prepping for this if I was a fan of the Washington team, and I, I think I equated it to torture, but would say that I, I am generally, or that's like the closest allegiance that I have from growing up in the D.C. area. Um, or basically ever since we moved back to the U.S. from England, we were in the D.C. area. So I have a certain affinity towards them, but uh, throughout the entirety of that time have just been met with 
disappointment after disappointment from them. So it's a, a fandom that's built around pretty low expectations, uh, very low highs and low lows. Um, and so with all of the, I mean, I, I, I feel excited in this off season that they <laughs> made the change that like they felt like they had no other choice, um, but to drop their racist team name. Um, but at the same time, still feel this like massive skepticism of Snyder as an owner, um, as a person, I feel like dropping the name. It's one of those things where like, it felt performative to me. I'm glad that it happened, but it still is performative. If that makes sense. Um, and I, I feel like, you brought up the a lot like a handful of articles that have been written in the last couple months about team culture just being toxic and I mean lots of of bad <laughs> things and, and none of those things surprise me at all in in what we've come to know about Dan Snyder and the Washington football team over the last it's been I a guess long like time. yeah two decades a little bit longer than that now yeah. So it's just like remarkable how how bad he's been as an owner and how he's involved himself in like every decision and like constantly made the wrong one. Um, so yeah, that's why I've decided to name my fantasy football what, team after them. <laughs> what are your general thoughts about them deciding that the Washington football team was the best choice in the interim for their team name? Um, I mean, I, I think, I think it's fine. I, <laughs> I it sort of felt like whatever name they chose was going to be wrong or like the wrong one again, because like, maybe I said this in the group me, but it, it was such a perfect opportunity to do like good marketing for themselves and for their brand to like reach out to the community and get that engagement and come up with a name that is like not racist and exciting to the people that follow the team and instead they put out a bunch of like what I think were kind of shitty names decided on one that isn't really a name and said it was temporary and so like I I I don't know it's whatever (laughs) I think if they I think that it would be kind of cool if they had just chosen this name because of the I think about like the way that a lot of European soccer football clubs do it uh, I think there's something that's a little bit like eclectic about it. Thinking about like what their jerseys will look like this year without any right. um, like logo. I think that's just going to be kind of cool and would love to see them go down that route of like, we are our like team and our history speaks for itself. We don't need a like mascot. It's kind of like the, the Alabama football thing. <laughs> if, Washington was actually good <laughs> and, and had been good in the last 30 years. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. It's like another, it's whatever, and it's another failure. And I'm sure there will be many more. And the ultimate name they choose will probably be something that I think sounds dumb. And that wasn't done with yeah, like the community in mind. <laughs> a fan of someone that, or not a fan of the franchise that I can have a little more optimism that they'll come up with a cool name. But I I get where you're coming from with a, a lack of mm-hmm. optimism. I think if you've been attached to the franchise for any amount of time, that your expectations would be appropriately low. 
Yeah, they they just haven't done anything in, I mean, really in like 25 years that would give me reason to yeah. think that like this will be the time this, that they have the a big decision right. and they make a good one. Um, it's, yeah. So I, I hope that I'm wrong and I hope that like <laughs> Snyder decides to not be a like racist misogynist overnight. Uh, but I think the reality is that that is, that he is who he is and so like as long as he's the owner these issues are gonna remain yeah we will see i'm i'm a mets fan and the Wilpons have just started to enter into an agreement to sell the team but for a long time like across all four of the major leagues uh, the only thing keeping them from being the absolute worst owners in sports was dan snyder so <laughs> Yeah, I feel for you. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, it's like he's he's just a, a guy with a lot of money, and I think that's probably true of a lot of owners. But the, the like the hubris to think that that makes him qualified to like run and micromanage a football franchise is just like something I can't even understand. So I think didn't he make all of his money in like oh, really? the dot com bubble? He made like a shitty company and sold it for a lot of money, and now okay. he's a football, a self-proclaimed football genius. Yeah, that's one way to do it. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> so, yeah. So I know that's a, a pretty depressing, uh, a pretty depressing outlook or review, but that's that's where I'm at with the Washington football team. But hey, at least you know, at least the name isn't. Yeah, it, it was a step racist, in the right direction. Currently. How much have you been? <laughs> yeah, we can. Yeah, no, I was no, just gonna ahead. kind of segue <laughs> from that into how much have you been following um, the recent developments in sports? Because with the the shooting of of Jacob Blake, um, right after the podcast with Seth, um, there there was that that shooting, mm-hmm. and then all of the the major sports leagues shut down. Um, I believe it started with the Milwaukee Bucks um, deciding to to forfeit their game, and they decided they weren't going to play, and that just kind of had this domino effect on the rest of the NBA, um, large portions of Major League Baseball, um, the National Hockey League for for a couple days ended up um, shutting down as as athletes really decided to to get involved in this issue and. The Ravens put out a really great statement of um, the changes that they want to see, and I know the NBA came up with an action plan. Um, but just curious, how much you've you followed those developments? Yeah, I would say that I've followed. I mean, we follow the U.S. news pretty thoroughly, just in part. Um, I mean, we we still feel super connected to it, and with everything that's going on right now, it feels like a lot of it just feels really personal. Um, and I don't think that'll ever really change, even if we were to like stay here for 10 years and become Swedish citizens. I think that there's still uh, there's something about home that you feel connected to. Uh, so I have followed it pretty closely. I actually I didn't know that Milwaukee was the first one. I thought that it was LeBron and Kawhi saying they they weren't going to play. Um, but I, I guess regardless, that that part is less of a detail to me. Um, or actually, I think that the WNBA kind of led the charge with it. Um, I believe they were super instrumental and 
I think it's all I think it's all really good. I think that the like the more awareness and the more times that like white men like ourselves can be confronted with this reality, the better. And so I don't like I don't know what the lasting effect of them taking a couple games off will be, but like the fact that it dominated the news cycle and forced people to think about it in a, a different way um and did so in a way that like had a lot of money and power behind it i think is meaningful and matters and is something that i would encourage um i felt super i may have a lot of details of the story wrong um i've become i used to really not like lebron um and i've become a huge lebron fan in the last like decade or five years maybe um and i i felt really impressed and had a tremendous amount of respect for him essentially being willing to like cancel the season uh, with what that looks like for him in this stage in his career. And I, I think that it was another, another time that I was personally reminded of how, how much bigger all of this is to, uh, to him and to like black athletes than, um, than the sport itself is. So I feel, I don't know, to answer your question, I, I love that, 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 that happened. I think that that kind of thing is really powerful and I feel uh, a tremendous amount of respect for, um, there's athletes that like stand to lose money, um, being willing to do that because of how significant it is. Uh, and I, I wish that more people or that people, myself included, would be willing to make those kinds of big sacrifices to see meaningful. Change yeah. Happen. I think outside of just a couple of, of games that they, they shut down, the leagues for this year i think the fact that they showed that they're willing to do that um you know is, is really meaningful on, on getting that support from owners from the league of knowing that they can't just kind of do the lip service thing um that i feel like is, is everything in the past like we see this in politics mm-hmm. we see this everywhere is like it's there's just so much going on you have so much information and individual people don't have the ability to take action on everything that they have access to to look at and see and hear um that you know you a lot of the times you can just you know come out make a statement and then people don't have the time and concentration to like actually stay on these things for more than a news cycle because something else is coming up the next day and, and there's another thing that's that's presented and I think just the way that so many of these athletes banded together in such a short time um, and have shown that like they're, they're willing to, to go as far as, um, you know, putting their, their pursuits of a championship and those personal accolades and and the way that they're making money on hold in support Mm -hmm. of this cause is just a really powerful thing. Um, I think some of the statements that you were saying, like LeBron made, um, of like having these these dual focuses right now and um those were really good chris paul had some really great things to say um i just get so mad about the like the shut up and dribble or the the athletes are the only people in the world that aren't allowed to to have political opinions um like it's it's just mind-blowing to me that like nobody would come to me and say like no you're you're a professional digital marketer you can't talk about sports um you know it's it, it's just absurd that like we are right. our citizens first and foremost and the way that we live and interact in this country is a right. fundamental right to everyone and if you have 
a massive platform that doesn't nullify your right to to talk about these things and, and try to make a, a positive change on on society. Yeah, I think, well, two things. I think one, like that's absolutely right. And I think it's also worth noting too that in addition to the games that they were willing to forfeit that were postponed, like the NBA, for example, I know did some other things with like making arenas open for voting, that sort of thing. So it's like a, like you said, they're, these athletes are using their platform in such a way to like enact big societal societal change that goes beyond like, you know, just awareness or just like sitting out a game. Um, and I, I think that's really powerful. The other thing I was thinking of when you said, talking about like players being willing to forego uh, a run at a championship, the reason I think in part I was so impressed with LeBron is just thinking about how yep. he doesn't have a lot of these runs left. In fact, he might only have really this one. And so like for someone like him to say, or to just like verbalize the importance of this, uh, I think is really powerful and, and shows again that like, this is really big and I'm like very likely one of the small minded ones to even think about it in terms of like not winning a championship because that's not what like mm -hmm. he who is far more impacted than I is thinking of. Um, so yeah. Um, but Hey, I, I got to go pick up Jackson from school. Uh, so we need to <laughs> cut this now. Uh, <laughs> is there any, is there any like outro that we could do or a final thing that one of us could say before? So we just if I'm off? recalling correctly, there is like one traditional outro that we have, and I'm pretty sure that you coined this saying. So if you want it, it's, it's all yours. <laughs> oh man. I don't, I don't feel that angry. I don't feel angry enough right now or, uh, or heated enough. So maybe. Nope. I got Maybe it. we skip it on this one. I, I can take it. I can do it. No. So this isn't <laughs> maybe um, a justifiable outrage, but it's it's something, and I can performatively get myself to this space. But in the midst of working from home, living at home, everything happening at home, um, my apartment building had to replace every single window in our apartment. And this ended up being like a very Whoa. loud, I would say like borderline psychological warfare, torture levels of just oppressive noise from 8 a.m. to like 5 p.m. most days. I think they, they didn't work on Sundays a lot of the time, but this was like a five-week process of just like hammering, <laughs> nailing, and they had these two crane things that anytime they moved in any direction at all just made this beep noise that literally drove me crazy but they put in new windows in our place and they are i don't know maybe 98 percent effective at keeping rain outside and it just started raining here again and they've already come out twice to to recock and it is currently raining inside my apartment so you're quite literally... Yeah. And because of that, I have no problem telling everyone else in the world to go fall in love. Well.